we talked about heaven. Uh, title of last week's sermon, Home Sweet Home. We begin to, uh, you know, talk a little bit about uh, uh, what heaven. We, re- I mean, you, you, I mean, how can you cover heaven in, in one sermon? You, you just can't do it. You can only kind of glaze over the top of it real quick. Uh, but you know, one of the things that we wanted to look and to see. Uh, what does it really mean, okay, uh, when we say that we're entering into heaven? Uh, what most people will consider heaven, uh, we talked a little bit about last week, is what we're seeing after the millennial kingdom. Streets of gold, these types of things, the mansions, all that. That is after the millennial kingdom. So we're not entering into what? we think of in our humanly mind as heaven after we leave the walks of this life, but we're entering in what to uh, what Christ described to the thief on the cross. Today you'll be with me where? In paradise. Paradise. And there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of question. And listen now, no one can tell you definitively, all right, this is exactly what you will see, what you will experience when you leave the walks of this life. But I do think there is enough evidence from Scripture. Uh, we saw that in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Brother Greg did a wonderful job of that, as always. Uh, but I wish you could have heard that because it went right along with where uh, these sermons are going. Ezekiel saw a vision. And it wasn't just like, oh, he laid down on the couch and had a dream and, oh, oh, yeah, had a wild dream there. No, he he saw a vision. Isaiah saw a vision. John saw a vision. Paul saw a vision. He was caught up. And we see these, when these occurrences happen and they're recorded to us in Scripture. And what do we notice what you talked about this morning, Brother Greg, it seems like they're all seeing what? The same thing. Why is that, you think? Why, how could that be? Why is that? When these gentlemen, what, what they're doing is they're stepping across the boundaries of the walks of this life into the next one and seeing what's laying ahead for us. And I do believe that when Jesus described that or told that to the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. This is the place that he was talking about. That when we step out of this life, we're not stepping onto streets of gold. We're not uh, walking up and, uh, you know, Jesus is handing us the uh, keys to a mansion somewhere and saying, go make yourself at home. No, I believe that we're stepping into what a place of preparation a place of preparation. Preparation for what? <laughs> how did Jesus tell us to pray? You remember that? Jesus, how do we need to pray? Well, this is how you need to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Amen. Thy kingdom come. Three words. Thy kingdom come. Three little words, but they contain so very much. 
When we leave the walks of this life, I believe we'll step into what? Exactly what these men were seeing when they were shown the vision. I will not be surprised at all. You remember Daniel, okay? Daniel saw a vision too. Now Daniel saw a lot of things and and you remember what the angel told Daniel when he got over there. Daniel was writing these things down and what did he say to Daniel? Seal it up. Seal it up, big boy. These things are not for you. They're for the end of the time. End of the age. We'll go forward into Revelation. And what does John see? John is taken and he sees one on a throne with a scroll in his hand that has what? Seven seals. I wouldn't be surprised at all that when the lamb starts clicking those seals off of that scroll and rolls it out, it'll be like, hey, that's Daniel's handwriting. That is Daniel's handwriting on that scroll. You see, because everything we see in Scripture is interconnected. It's all going to the same place. There's no stories over here about something that is obscure to us. No, everything in Scripture is relevant to us. Our God loves us immensely, more than we could ever realize, more than we could ever know in this humanly body. And he desires for us to be where he is at. You see, everything that you and I are experiencing, everything that we are going through in this life and through this world is for one purpose and one purpose only is to get us back to where we were supposed to be when God first created us there in the garden. We messed it up, didn't we? We walked away, turned our back. Satan said, you can be like God. Do you know there's still fools out here in this life today preaching that junk? You're going to be God's. No, we're not. There's only one. And you see everything that God has shown us, everything that Christ has done for us is for that express purpose to what? Get us back to that place. Get us back to where we should have been all this time. And you see, this is where we're going today. Last week we talked about that. You know, like we say, there's no way to definitively, beyond all doubt, to say this is what you're going to see when you step across. But I believe there's a good way that we can know, that we can have assurance, whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's not going to be bad. It's not going to be bad. It's not going to be dreary. It's not going to be sad. No, I believe that, like I said, is a place of preparation. Preparation for what? The coming kingdom. The coming kingdom. Did I mention last week that there's a war going on? A spiritual war is going on, has been going on for the better part of 6,000 years. Did you know Satan hates you? Did you know Satan hates you because God loves you so much? Because God went beyond all expectation to rescue us. 
And Satan hates you. And everything we see going on in the spiritual realm, all these, this warfare, this strife is manifested by what we see. Why do you think our world is in the condition that it is today? It is because there is so much spiritual warfare going on in the realm that you and I can't see. But it manifests itself here. Just like what the angel told Daniel when he came. I've been trying to get to you for two weeks. But I've been in battle. And you see these things still are going on. And you see we're not disconnected from that. Church, we are not disconnected from that. This is not something, you know, like, oh, well, that's the, you know, the children of Israel. Or, you know, that's for the Old Testament people. No, we are not disconnected from that. We are right in the middle of this war. I mean, right in the middle of it. Smack dab in the middle of it. So when we step out of this life, there's no need to think, well, okay, our our work is over. Heaven is a land of, you know, where we're never tall, where uh, everything, oh, it's good, it's great. Yes, don't get me wrong, but we're not going up there. uh, It's not some great retirement plan. We're not going up there to kick off the lounge chair on the beach of heaven and relax for the rest of all eternity. No, 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 we're not, are we? There's still work to do after this life is over with. Until Satan is defeated. Until that day, angel binds him and he's gone. Death, hell, gone forevermore. Because you see, that's why we're in this warfare. Why does there have to be a new heaven and a new earth? Why can't Christ just come back and say, well, let's, let's start this thing over again? No, there has to be a new heaven and a new earth, what John saw, I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down and coming down the new Jerusalem. Why does there have to be new? Because the one that you and I have now, what? Satan has access to heaven. Did you know that? Job, exactly right. And sons of God came before God to present themselves and Satan was there to accuse the brethren. The accuser, the adversary, that's what his name means. And you see, he now has access to heaven to accuse us before the Father. Christ says what? Christ says what? Well, we'll get to that. So when we step out of this life, know That when we open our eyes on the other side, when we are greeted and come forth there, just just think of it like this. Yes, it will be paradise. It will be like nothing you have ever experienced. But you will know and be aware of what is going on. You will understand that you are now right smack in the middle like you always have been, but you'll be more aware of it than ever. You're right smack in the middle of a spiritual war. And the only concern that you're going to have, the greatest thing that is going to be on your heart, on your mind, on your soul, 
is Jesus Christ. This kingdom that is his to bring. This is why we were created. What? Revelations 4.11. Thou hast created all things. And for thy glory. They are and were created. This is what Satan has convinced us for thousands of years. No, you Oh, look out for yourself. Look out for number one. You don't look out for yourself. Nobody else is going to look out for you. What did Jesus teach us while he was here? No. Man that seeks to save his life, what's he going to do? He's going to lose it. He's going to lose it. But the one that loses their life for my sake, the same shall save it. Yes. So we've got an experience like well, it's what you was talking about this morning, Brother Greg, and he's exactly right. That word, awesome, should only be reserved for anything that comes from Scripture, from God himself, from his kingdom. It surely don't describe a hamburger like you was talking about. Hamburgers are good. Steaks are good. Food is good. Experiences are good, but they're not awesome. God is awesome. His kingdom is awesome. And when we step into that kingdom, that understanding of just how awesome he is, we will finally know. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? To step into that. And this leads us into the scripture today. Revelation chapter 21 Verses 5 and 6. Two verses. Two verses is all we're going to cover today because that's all that you can when it is these two verses. That's it. Two of the most, in my estimation, underappreciated verses in all of Scripture. These two verses are unlike any other two verses in all of Scripture. If, if let's just read them, let's just read them. Revelation chapter twenty-one, verses five and six. Remember now, John has told us he's seen a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. He saw the new Jerusalem coming down. In other words, he's showing us what has been revealed to him in this vision. And now he's going, to, he's going back beginning in verse 3 and telling us the details of what he has seen. The details. He's heard the voice from heaven. Cry, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. God's going to dwell with them and will be their God. He's going to what? Wipe away all tears from their eyes. There is going to be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And here we go. Verse 5. And he. He that sat upon the throne said, 
Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Freely. There we go. Two of the most magnificent verses of scripture that has ever been penned, that was ever inspired. You know, unfortunately, most of our world today, and I'm going to, including so-called Christians, just, I mean, I'm just going to tell you the plain truth of the matter. Most of the world, and probably most of the people in this world that call themselves Christians, are so at home in this world that they are oblivious to the splendor of what Christ has prepared for you and I. They are oblivious because they have become so comfortable in this life and in this world that they can't see past that to what God has promised. And you see, when we truly, when one truly understands I mean, really gets what these two verses are talking about. Your life will be transformed. The sinner that hears the words that this is, is teaching, is preaching, will be moved to belief in the Savior. The, the sinner will know that it will be Jesus Christ and Christ alone that will achieve this for them. That there will be nothing that we can do of our own to deserve something as wonderful and magnificent as what is being described here. And the believer. Too many times we believers, we get bogged down in this world, don't we? We get caught up. We get tripped up. Sometimes we get, lose our way, get off of the path, whatever kind of metaphor you want to use. We just simply start worrying about our own kingdom as opposed to God's kingdom. But when we truly, truly understand what these two verses are talking about, it will be like, the disciples sitting in the upper room crying, pining, moaning because the Savior had been crucified and buried. And then all of a sudden, what happens? No doors open, no windows open, but who's standing right there? Jesus Christ himself. And you see from that moment on, that moment on, why do we have the New Testament? Because there was, what, 12 guys that went out 
and said, I don't care. You can crucify me like you did him. You can throw me in boiling oil. You can throw me in the lion's den. You can strand me on the island. You can take a sword and cut my head off. I don't care what you do to this body. I know whom it is in whom I have believed. I have seen him. He was dead and now he is alive. And these two verses proclaim that same truth. They show us that same understanding. What did we talk about uh, just a little while ago? That what we are going to experience, we're going to see what no one saw in the beginning. Look at this. The fifth verse is what? And he that sat upon the throne. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's from the authority himself. There's no doubt about this. Behold, I make all things new. Now, I didn't want to bother you with the Greek this morning, but I want you to understand that the, the word that that comes from, and, and you'll see this probably in a couple of uh, different translations, but this word, make, okay, it's not... In the past tense, it's not like I made all things new. It's I make, or better understood as I am making all things new. Because what John is seeing is, it's actually happening, but it's what to you and I will be in our future. You see, in eternity, when John stepped over in eternity, it, it was, he could see it happen, but he had to come back to our time and explain it to us in a way that we would know that this is a time appointed ahead. But what here Christ is telling us, I am making all things new. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds so innocent. It sounds good. But do you really understand what Christ is saying here? I am making all things new. You just see what's going on, okay? The 21st chapter of Revelation, the, the last two books of Revelation, the last book of the Bible is doing what? It's mirroring what we see happening in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. Do you know how many people today doubt that? Do you know how many people today disparage that oh no we was it was a big bang millions and billions of years ago and then through that process you know things accumulated uh dust you know uh, gathered in a mud hole somewhere and then lightning struck it and then this uh, slime grew up and a slug crawled out of the bottom of that and eventually here you have man fools fools because the word of the living God has told us how he has done things. And man says what? Peter said that 
Peter said, you know, last days you, these guys are going to come along. You'll have these scoffers. And, you know, a lot of folks think Peter was talking about the, you know, the, you know, scrubs out in the world that, you know, can't stand God anyway. But, no, he was talking about folks in the church. And that's the truth. Most of your churches today, so-called Protestant churches that are, you know, uh, mainline, this kind of stuff, they don't teach that. They're falling right along line with the world. Yes, okay, you teach evolution. You know, God used evolution to make stuff. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. The Word teaches us exactly how he created. The Word teaches us that. And do you know what? Guess who's going to be on the front row next time it's done? <laughs> Guess who's going to be an eyewitness? When the king says, you see, this is after the great white throne judgment. The devil and his crew has been dispatched. No more. They are gone from our memory. They are gone from our presence. Never. Satan will have no access to the throne in what? The new heaven and the new earth. They have been gone. They've been dispatched. And just like Peter says, Peter says, I saw the, the elements, the heavens melted, the elements and the heavens melted with fervent heat, gone, dispatched, cleansed, renewed. And then you get to this point. That's where we get to. It's okay. She likes that too. She, she gets it. And the king says, what's this? What's this? I am making all things new. They just replaced your need, didn't they? You're having to recuperate a little bit, ain't you? <laughs> one day. One day. That's right. <coughs> I get up now, and, and it, I don't get up as quick as I used to. I'm a little bit slower myself. I, I wear down. I get tired. Used to go outside, work all day long, uh, not even think about nothing. I was to try that now. Uh, the ambulance had to come get me. <laughs> Call 911 because I'd be laying over there somewhere. Uh, I can't do it anymore because what? I'm aging. I'm growing older. This world is growing older. This world creaks and groans. All of creation groans for the curse that has been placed upon it. But on this day, on this day, Christ creates all things new. And we are going to be there and watch it happen. Yes. Witnesses. You think anybody's ever going to say, well, no, we just blowed up one day and not, not this time. Not anymore. Those fools will be gone. No more of that junk. We will bring honor and glory to the king in what we call years Billions and billions of them on down the road. You and I will recollect that day. That day that the king made all things 
new. And since that day, billions and billions of what we call years from now, we will be just as new as the day He has made us. You talk about good. You talk about great. And guess what? None of this evil that assails us now, it'll be gone. None of this pain that tortures our life, it's gone. None of this sadness that grips us and Satan tries to bring us down with, it's gone. None of the guilt and shame of this life that Satan tries to trick us with, Because all things will have been made new. And we're going to be there. You see, we'll already have that new body. But then creation gets her turn. Creation gets its turn. Because Christ says, I'll make all things new. All things. All things. Anybody ever? Well, you know, we can all remember as a child, you know, birthdays and, you know, special events and getting gifts, you know, getting new stuff and how that excited us. Uh, You know, maybe growing up, uh, maybe we got a, a new car new house or new clothes or you know we got things new in this world and these things excited us it, it you know it, it made us tingle it's, it's new it's brand new but after a while what it, it just got old the new wore off it wasn't a few months few years it's not new anymore that's gone. That You see, that's gone. One of the things that astounds me that absolutely, just absolutely, and, and I don't talk about this much, very, very, very seldom. I don't even know if I've talked about it much at all, ever. Because when you step off into that realm, uh, you know, the, the mind of man Start smoking and and you just can't really handle it. But you know, like I said a while ago, we're usually really so consumed with our life here on this world that really, really it's hard for us to see past. But when we can, when we can lower that veil and understand what Christ has done for us and what He's going to do for us, that He is going to make all things new. Okay. And I think about this, and one of the things that I have always said that I would, you know, talk to the king about, that I would propose to the king, that I would like to discuss with him. As you think about this, he is eternal. Don't know how long eternity is. From everlasting to everlasting. From everlasting to everlasting. Now think about this. Our conscious experience of what we know as time goes back 6,000 years, 
that he's been dealing with us, that he has created us and made us. <laughs> and, and I try, you know, I try to think about what all has he done and accomplished beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> you see, he don't even try to explain that to us in his word because we can't handle it. We can't handle it. But what he gives us that we can handle, the truth and the knowledge that one day he will make everything new for those who are believing and trusting in him. Everything new. Oh, the sin, shame, gone forever. And then he said this to John, write, for these words are true and faithful. Jesus just didn't say, you know, I'm doing the best I can for you. I'm going to try to help you out, you know, if, if things work out. No, no, no. Write it down, John. Write it down. They used to talk about this when we were kids growing up in school. I, I don't know if the young folks use it anymore, but they used to about talking about, uh, you know, you know how boys are anyway, but they, uh, you know, you get in an argument or something like that, and uh, somebody would mention something about, you know, fixing to take somebody to school. I guess y'all heard that before. Take you to school, boy. Uh, most of the time, both of them got to the school, up to the principal's office. But what they were trying to get across is like, they, they're the ones that had the knowledge. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Christ has the knowledge. Write these words down. They are true and faithful. If I tell you something, you know what? I might let you down. I might not be there. I might not make it. I might not do it. But what Christ has said these words are true and faithful. And these are not just any words. These are words that says, hey, I am making everything new. New. That's what he said. You see, what was done in Genesis is going to be done again at the end of Revelation. And everything in between is pointing us to that time. You see, there's not everything in between those two events. God has given us that we might know what he's doing. He hasn't just created us and slung us out here and said, do the best you can. No, he's giving us a blueprint, a map of everything he's doing. Here it is. The Holy Bible, the word of the living God. He's given it to us. That's why Satan attacks it so much. That's why Satan hates it so much. Because when the believer gets it and truly understands what God has done for us, you see, then the chains that are dragging you down now 
that says, oh, this life is just so toilsome. And, you know, why? how could God do this? How could God do that? No, no, no. Break those chains off. Drop them chains when we understand what God is going to do for us. Verse 6, he said unto me, it is done. It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, Aleph and Tau, the beginning, the end, the A, the Z, whatever you want to call it. It is he. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Now you see in the weeks ahead, we're going to get into uh, the city itself, the, the new Jerusalem. And that's what, you know, most people, when they think of heaven, this is what they're thinking about is the new Jerusalem, where the angel measured the city, and you got, uh, you know, uh, 1,370, uh, or 1,370-mile 1, square city, right? Almost 1,500 square miles around, up, around. And you see, it's made out of gold so pure that it would be transparent. It has foundations of all precious emeralds. It has gates, giant gates made out of single pearls. I mean, it is magnificent. It has the names of the tribe of Israel over each one, of each tribe over every gate. The foundations have the name of the apostles on the foundation. It, it's, it's, it's indescribable. You, you think about that. But that's just New Jerusalem. That, that's coming down and, and residing on the new earth that will be in the new heavens. And you see, this is the promise that he's given us. I'm going to do it. Write it down, John. It's done. It is done. And the one that says this is the one that can back it up. <laughs> the one that can deliver. I can tell you and won't deliver. This one delivers. Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. These three things he said. I am making all things new. These words are true and faithful. It is done. You see, when we, as a child of God, truly, truly understand that, you'll, you'll, you'll get what it means when Scripture talks about that we are pilgrims and strangers in this land. I mean, it is, it's really, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, Lord, you know, just, just come on back and get us. Lord, I'm ready when you get ready. And you, you have to tell yourself, no, I have to be about the business of the king. I'm looking for the coming of the kingdom. I'm looking for that day. I long for that day. But I have to keep my mind, I have to keep my heart on the business of the king. This day will come. 
This is what the world talks about us. You know, all you Christians, all y'all preach about is heaven. All you talk about is heaven. You're just worried about getting out of here. And it, you see, when, when the Christian truly understands what heaven is, that can, that can happen very easily. And what we have to do, it, it, you see, that's why I don't talk about it much. That's why I don't preach about this much. Because the world thinks that this is all that we do. Oh, let's go to heaven. Let's, let's ride the chariots and go to heaven. That's, they think that's all that we do. But for somebody that truly understands what heaven is, because the world, their idea of heaven is something they've seen uh, on the History Channel or something they've seen on Discovery or you know, uh, even on uh, the Disney Channel or some movie somewhere, some TV series uh, from God knows about what, uh, all kind of foolish stuff going on. That's where they get their ideas of the afterlife, of heaven, of hell, and all such as this. And they have no clue and no idea of what the king says he's going to do. But when we do, it's empowerment. It's a power. The power of what? Man? No. Not by might. Not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Power to make it through this life. Power to take another step each and every day. Yeah, this world is a drag. Yes, it is. I want to go to heaven, but no, I have to be about the business of the king. I am on call for the king. Each and every believer, we have been called on business for the king. Brother David, come with a verse of a song. Listen, and it's like we said. This, these two scriptures, this understanding, this concept, whatever you want to call this, it is almost beyond being able to describe with words. For the believer, yes, it can, it can give us strength and it can give us power to carry us on. But for the one who has never believed, for the one that is yet to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, when you understand what it is he's done for us, listen, this is what Holy Spirit can use to guide you, to invite you, to call you to the Savior. And many people have struggled with that for years and years and years. The answer is right here. But many people, and I see this a lot today, many people will struggle with their salvation. Am I really saved? Am I really saved? And now, Satan will try to pull us down, to convict us, to, to, to try to trick us into these things. He, he tries to trip up the true believer. He wants the true believer, you know, he wants you, uh, you know, to always doubt your salvation. He wants you uh, to, to never be sure of, of what it is that you believe in. That's what he's trying to do. That's why it's so important to be in this word. The more we get into this word, the further and further away he gets driven. 
When we get God around us, He can't get close to us. But so many people struggle with that. How, how can I know? Did I say the right prayer? Did I, did I, did I truly believe? I, I don't know if I, I remember if I cried or anything like that. I'm going to take you back to this guy I talked about a while ago. And I want to show you his salvation experience. This guy was hanging on a cross. Blood flowing down his arms. Struggling to breathe. He was about to die. And in that time and in that moment, he looked over. Next to him, he saw, no doubt, he had heard about Jesus. I mean, he lived in Jerusalem. He was there in the same area. He know, he heard about these stories, about this guy that, that healed people that were sick, that, that drew crowds from all out in the desert, that fed people that were hungry. And you see this guy, as he was hanging there, dying, convicted, and justly so. He was a criminal. He was headed for hell. And he looked over here. And then he saw this other guy over here railing, accusing, talking to this guy in the middle that he had heard about, saying, if you really are who you say you are, save yourself and us. And he's listening and seeing these things. That's Satan over there calling out. If you're really the son of God, save yourself in us. And this guy, who is a convicted criminal, who is being crucified to pay for his crimes, who's about to step out of the walks of this life, not knowing God, gets it. And he looks right next door at the king who's dying for him and for all who would just believe and he gets it. Jesus, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. He believed. He believed. The Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your house shall be saved. Believe. It's not a prayer. It's not a format. It's belief. That's it. And that's these verses here. When you believe in Christ as Lord and Savior, you understand what He has done for you. He saves you. But then get this. When you begin to study and to get into that word and you get over here and you see what He is preparing and will prepare and will do for us, you're like, oh, man. For me, 
I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this. And yet, he says, yeah, write it down. <laughs> write it down. It's true. It's done. And you see, that day, that day when the king on the throne looks at us, looks around at us and says, it is done. Gone. <laughs> no more heartache. No more pain. No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. Gone. For all of eternity. Man. And all we got to do is believe what the king has done for us. Listen. 